Welcome to the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Martha. And our mission is to connect the past and the present Nikki Mom by celebrating our stories and what our babies have overcome. Whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hi, mamas. Welcome to the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. It's your host, Martha and Ashley. I actually had the wonderful opportunity of seeing Ashley in a very COVID safe setting <laughs> moments ago, and it was the thrill of a lifetime. It really was. It really As she was. was leaving, I screamed after her that she was the love of my life, and I don't regret it. I don't I I loved it. I appreciated it. <laughs> You're definitely my work wife for yes, sure. 100%. Ryan's yes. like who are you talking to? Martha, like always. Yeah. <laughs> That happened the other night when you called me. Zach was like, what are you doing down there? I was like, leave me alone, dad. (laughs) Anyway, I digress. Um, But as you know, on the podcast, we have, you know, a lot of wonderful different opportunities to speak to amazing people. Uh, Sometimes we get to interview Nikki moms and hear about their journeys, hear about their stories. And sometimes we get to speak with experts and providers in the field and learn more about the issues that affect Nikki moms in and out of the Nikki. And that is what we're doing today. Today, we have Melissa Dahl. Can you say hi, Melissa? Hi. Thank you for having me on. We're so glad that you're here. Um, and as you'll come to find out, Melissa is really um, your licensed counselor, correct? That's how you started yep. your practice? Um, yes. And the founder of Mindful Healing and Consulting. Um, and you specialize in self-compassion and mindfulness, yes? Yeah. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor, so LPCC. And I have a specialized training in mindful self-compassion. And I also um, work in women's mental health. Yeah, which is awesome. And our region is just so lucky to have you and other providers like you who have these specialties. Because Mm -hmm. especially for NICU moms, uh, the idea of self-compassion is huge in terms of trauma healing. So we are so grateful to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much. And the fact that you guys are offering that connection in the community where women can come together, that I think the best part about self-compassion is it sits on common humanity. And Mm -hmm. common humanity is that we all struggle and that we all go through really hard times. Sometimes when we're going through something, we feel like we're the only one. And self-compassion is all about bringing that together. I'm not alone. And the Mm -hmm. Dear Nikki Mama is really that's the mission, right? You guys are mm-hmm. supporting. You're not alone. You're mm-hmm. not alone yeah. in that struggle. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, we try. <laughs> <laughs> but can you share a little bit more about your practice and how you became interested and involved in mindful self-compassion? Yeah. Specifically for mindful self-compassion, I was actually in graduate school and I saw this clip by Dr. Neff, who really westernized Mm self-compassion. And I thought that just makes so much sense to me. I had never thought about how I would have a positive relationship with myself. We're so focused on others. You know, how do we interact with others? How do we care for others? But this was all about how do I turn around and talk to myself? So I was immediately attracted to the topic. And then my mind went to, oh, I want to use this in my work. But what I found out as I went and furthered the training and trained with Dr. Neff and Dr. Germer was that I deeply needed self-compassion. That was something that I was needing in my life. And it was something that really rang true to me. And now five years later, I'm still able to to offer it and speak on it and teach on it in the community. And it's just grown exponentially in the past five years. 
That's so cool. Dr. Neff is for sure a celebrity in our world. Yes. <laughs> in my world. Yeah. We, we refer know. to and, her quite often. <laughs> and you know what? I get to say I hugged her. I always tell people I hugged her. I was because I was at a training with her and Dr. Grimmer for both of my trainings, which are really neat experiences. You're with them for that five, six days. And uh, yeah, wow. that's my that's my claim to fame is I got to hug her. <laughs> you got to hug her. <laughs> I love it. Well, and yeah. even beyond the self-compassion training that you've done, you've also recently announced that you are furthering your education to become certified in perinatal mental health. So what compelled you to study for that specific certification? Yes. Um, I feel like in my work, I've always been kind of known and drawn towards working with women's mental health. And I think it's a huge umbrella, right? When we say women's mental health, that's like, okay, well, where do you start? What does that mean? And as I continued to work in the field and I was working and being drawn to working with women, it became even more specialized to working with anxiety, depression, and mood disorders with young with not young women, all women, but then even became more interested in working with this specific specialty because the reason it's a specialty is because you have that training. So when a a female comes to you, you know exactly what they're talking about. You're able to give them that exact language and that comfort, and you're able to say, it's going to be okay. When you have the umbrella of women's mental health is beautiful, but the specialty is what allows you to really help specific population. And I really wanted to be able to do that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I think it's really interesting um, in the, you know, whenever there is kind of an awareness month that is around mm-hmm. perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, or, you know, this month is, um, you know, October is pregnancy awareness and infant loss awareness month. So there's these topics and you, then you see people coming forward and sharing their experiences maybe with providers, maybe OBGYN or pediatricians or even therapists who are kind, can be dismissive and have not really totally up-to-date understandings of, of the, the entire world of PMADS and all the current research about it. Mm-hmm. So we definitely try and encourage um, uh, the, the moms in our community, if they're struggling, to definitely use postpartum international um, as a way to search for providers and resources that have the certification because it makes a wildly huge difference for sure. Yes. And I would say the largest, I was just speaking on this is that the difference between like the baby blues and depression and that when we're looking at, you know, the language around baby blues is it should really just be short term, you know, really shouldn't last more than two weeks. Whereas depression is ongoing, it means that after a couple of weeks, I'm still not feeling like myself. And if you walk into an office and you don't know how to describe that, or you don't have language for that, your care might not match what you need. And that's why this specialty is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we talk often about the importance and the beauty of self-compassion, how beautiful that practice can be as we heal and as we grow here at Dernicky Mama. But we'd love to know in your words, what self-compassion is to you and what it looks like when it's used well on a daily basis. Yes. So really the self-compassion phrase I speak to the most, which really goes back to Dr. Neff's work is how would you treat a friend or how would you treat somebody you really cared for? If you were sitting next to them and they were hurting, how would you talk to them? And it's really just turning that around in a gentle, natural way, even if it doesn't feel natural at first, to turn it around and offer that to yourself. That same kind of language, 
but not just that tone, the tone that you use, and then also just being present, being available with yourself when you're hurting instead of pushing it away or not addressing it or getting on to that next thing. So self-compassion has two elements. It's I'm mindful that I'm hurting, but now I'm going to turn around and I'm going to be with myself in a really gentle way because I know I'm hurting. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's so important. I think it's interesting you say that it's okay if it doesn't feel natural at first because I've I've had the wonderful experience of being able to work with somebody who has been trained in self-compassion as a th- therapist. And so um, it just feels very strange to talk kindly to yourself. Even sometimes, you know, my provider had me do it aloud. It's so strange. <laughs> but how would you, what would you say to somebody who maybe who was new to that experience? Um, is it a time issue? You know, what can we do to kind of make that transition as comfortable as possible? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And I'm really glad to hear that your provider was having you practice it because she was encouraging you to practice it out loud, which actually gets us through that first part of, I don't know what it's like to talk to myself like this. I'm just going to practice it out loud. The other part that I really like to encourage um, women to do is to do that gentle practice of placing your hand over your heart because self-compassion is a two component piece. It's the language we have with ourselves but it's the feeling that we also have in our body. And so if we take and place our hand over our heart, we tap into our caregiving system and our brain and body already says, okay, I'm going to slow down a little bit. I might not be unsafe anymore. I might actually be okay. And that messaging immediately calms our body down. Even if our brain is saying, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I'm not there yet. Your body can already start to do that and to calm down. So just placing your hand over your heart or gently crossing your arms is giving that same messaging. So maybe we can't believe it first, but maybe we'll go to the body and do some body work around it. Mm. Yeah, definitely going to do that tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And, you know, it's something if you have anxiety or anything, you can do that simple practice and your body is already going to start to jump into that caregiving system. I think it's really helpful to, to hear a licensed provider share about why we hold our hand on our, or on our hearts, why we wrap ourselves. I think with the social media age that we're in, we see a lot of that of like, take a breath and put your hand on your heart. But until we really know why we're doing that, sometimes that just seems silly, you know, yeah. so to hear it explained and be like, this is actually why it calms you. This is why it's important really puts you know, some practicalness to the method, if that makes sense. So I appreciate hearing kind of the science behind it, if you will. Yes, exactly right. Yep. That there is science behind our bodies um, calming down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And it, re- it reminds me a lot too, you know, we talk about our nervous systems all the time because probably the most prevalent um, part of NICU healing is, is healing from PTSD. So, so many women and all parents walk away from NICU really with this, some level of trauma. So it sounds like it would be the perfect complement to trauma healing as well. Yes. So you're exactly right, Martha. It's connected to the nervous system. So that caregiving system is sending that messaging that it's okay. And it's actually the same connection. Like when we hold our new baby, our body releases oxytocin naturally. We don't have to tell it to do that. It just, it's the same thing. Our body can release that oxytocin. 
And in order to touch on trauma, truthfully, we have to feel safe first. Mm -hmm. So we can't really get to anything trauma related unless we feel safe. Mm -hmm. So we can go there in our brain, but then our brains will do a bunch of stuff to push it away. Mm -hmm. So to really get to trauma work, we have to feel safe first. Mm -hmm. I love that you mentioned the the value of feeling safe, because I think so many NICU moms, including myself, we leave the NICU and we just want to heal, right? We just want to not deal with this overwhelming feeling of trauma or anxiety, depression. So we just want to push through. But I think that safety element is really important in healing well. And so I'm glad that you reiterated the value and the importance of feeling safe before we dip into that trauma healing. Yes. And can I add to that part too, that part of that safety is finding a network and a provider that can help you with that journey. Mm -hmm. Because if you go too soon, too quick, you will feel exposed and you won't be able to be vulnerable enough for that long-term healing. And I Mm -hmm. think in our culture is there's so much rush to getting into that. You're exactly right that we need to have that safety net first. Uh, One of my favorite teachers said, safety first without exception. Mm -hmm. And I've just remembered that as the years go on. Unless we feel safe, we can't do the other work. You know, that really too, it it, it makes me think of, of, you know, how long the NICU journey is for people. So sometimes we see women in our community saying, I feel like I should be doing better, you know, faster, you know, it's been X amount of months, X amount of years. Why am I not improving? But I think we all should give ourselves the most amount of grace possible because the NICU is, is chronic trauma and it's every day. And then also it, sometimes it follows you home as well. So I love this idea that if you can just pursue, um, safety as your first goal, and, and if that's even, you know, get, you know, taking care of your basic needs, that's really okay. Um, I love that. That thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's a really important message, especially right now. There's just yeah, so much going especially on. Especially right now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So when we first started our episode and you talked about self-compassion, you kind of mentioned this talking kindly to ourselves. And I've recently seen you do a post on your social media, which we can link to in the description notes. Um, But you talked about changing that narrative and how we speak kindly to ourselves, especially in the midst of our anxiety. So could you give some examples of what that might look like for mothers? Yeah, absolutely. So Dr. Neff really coined the self-compassion break, which is an informal practice. And it's basically just three parts. You recognize that this is tough. The middle part is common humanity. You recognize all people struggle. You're not alone. And then that third part, which is really the most important part, is that question, what do I need right now? And so what do I need right now might mean I need self-kindness. It might mean I need self-compassion, self-acceptance, self-soothing. But it's stopping and and doing that three-part break. So instead of going into that negative banter that our brains will automatically default to, and by the way, we're designed to do that. We're designed to go to negative thinking. We're designed to be critical of ourselves. So it's instead of going to that banter, making a mindful shift and saying, you know what, this is really hard. All people go through hard things. May I be kind to myself in this moment? Or sometimes maybe you can't, but maybe the intention is there. So may I begin to be kind to myself about this? It's a process. May I begin 
to accept this part of myself? Or may I begin to accept this part of my life? Because so much of pain and grief and trauma is you don't want to be in it anymore. You don't want to experience it anymore. And so part of self-compassion is may I begin to accept that this is what it is and that, that it hurts. Hmm. It's really, it's a really beautiful thought to take in. I can tell that you're both experiencing that language too, as we're talking about yes. it, right? Like experiencing <laughs> well, the language of self-compassion as, and I do too. It's why I teach it because it's a, such a gentle way to be with ourselves. Totally. So. I think, um, I, although I think the reason is because we're every time we step into these interviews, you know, we're we're always already processing everything that's happened, and we also know hundreds and hundreds of mamas' NICU journeys too. And I just can see it at work with moms all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the idea of just gentleness overall is really counterintuitive to especially Western culture. You know, the idea it's like go 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 go. And even in the middle of the pandemic, everyone's like, start your beauty counter business. You know what I mean? It's just like, (laughs) it's so intense, you know? Um, So giving ourselves permission to be gentle and to make it that simple, because when I first was introduced to self-compassion, I was like, this is it? Like, you just treat yourself well, (laughs) you know? (laughs) But it's really, it's a, it's a, it's a practice, meaning you have to do, it's a lifelong practice. Absolutely. Yes. And our default if there's one takeaway that I tell women is your default will always be to be critical of yourself. Once we know that to be true, once we know, okay, my default is to be critical. Now I have a choice. Now I can make a change. Now I'm going to choose to be self um, compassionate or self kind because I know the benefits for the long term will be helpful. Mm-hmm. So could you give us an example, like let's say that a mom is in the midst of an anxiety moment and she's maybe saying something to herself like, you should have known. Or, you know, for the NICU community, a lot of NICU moms, we blame ourselves for the critical care needs of our baby. So it could be something like, you should have felt, you should have listened to that contraction. You shouldn't have had that Pop-Tart. You should have had more kale. You know, yeah. if we, if we get in those moments of self being so self-critical, what are some simple narrative shifts or things that we can say to ourselves that are more self-compassionate? Yeah. Nice. I think what I would do, and I'll just practice it right now is I would put my hand over my heart if I was a mom and I would first become aware of this negative thought we have to acknowledge it that first it is a negative thought, right? We have to acknowledge it. So, oh, I'm having a negative thought right now. I'm having a critical thought. And then say that, like Martha was saying, say it out loud or say it to yourself. I'm having a critical thought. All women, all women criticize themselves when it comes to parenting and motherhood. We all do. Even though our journeys may be different, we all criticize ourselves, okay? And then the last part is, may I be kind to myself in this moment? And if you can do the brain work at the same time that you're putting your hand over your heart, wherever you are, whether you're sitting in the hospital, whether you're sitting at home, whether you're falling asleep at night, if you can do that part together, your body will receive the benefits of self-compassion. So it is, it is really like Martha was saying, it is really that simple. And then like you're saying, Ashley, it's a practice know, going back to it. So it's, it is really those three parts. And if you can do that, you're giving a gift to your brain and to your body and you're able to calm down. 
So it sounds like part of it too is when we're going through those spirally thoughts of um, my body failed me, I didn't do this right, um, I'm a bad mother, part of it is pausing where you're at. And I think that's why my provider encouraged me to say it out loud because it was like a stop thought. It forced me to do that, right? Um, so I think that's really beautiful too. It's um, about pausing and assessing where you're at in that moment. Mm-hmm. And again, it seems really super basic, but it's an easy thing to do. Well, and our brains are designed to be in that default. You'll keep hearing me say that over and over again. So the mindfulness part is catching yourself in that moment. And there's other cues our body send to us. Um, we might feel overly tired. We might feel really irritable. I always tell women, pay attention when you're irritable. It's important. It's giving you data. When you start to feel irritable, your body is getting overwhelmed. And it's in those moments where we feel depleted the most, that's the moment that we can pay attention to it. That's really good. We did an event last fall all about self-compassion. And one thing that we took away from that too was, you know, because this practice isn't natural, it doesn't come natural to us. Sometimes we have to set reminders for ourselves. And so one of the things that some of us moms did is we put daily calendar reminders in our phone of have you spoken kindly to yourself today or, you know, take a breath and do put your hand on your heart for a minute. And I remember that being so freeing because, you know, sometimes implementing another new practice into our life, right. Can feel so overwhelming, but just the simple thought of like checking in and saying, how are you speaking to yourself today? What have you spoken over yourself today? was just so beautiful and freeing because it wasn't overwhelming. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You're talking about just taking small steps for it to be part of a relationship with yourself. Right. Yeah. Which is really what it is. Uh, Self-compassion is building your relationship with yourself. So it's micro investments over time Mm -hmm. to help yourself be healing and be well and be balanced. Mm -hmm. And relationships don't grow in one day. Right. We know that. Right. Right. So it's the small relationship over time. That is so cool. I, you never think about having a relationship with yourself. Right. Yeah. And, and especially with when you have a, um, maternal trauma, right? Like birth trauma or infertility or, um, you know, NICU stays, all this, they, all these things happen. Um, and you know, what we've learned is it creates like a disconnect with yourself because you just don't, don't want to experience your body. Like you said, you don't want to, you just want to not be in trauma anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, so the idea of reconnecting with yourself mm-hmm. is is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And that it can be done, I think one of you said earlier, with grace mm-hmm. and over time. Mm-hmm. That you can give yourself grace and you can give yourself time. Mm-hmm. And you can just take that next small step towards being compassionate with yourself mm-hmm. because it takes a lot of practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. So coming back to this inner dialogue, kind of back to this relationship with ourselves, speaking kindly to ourselves, could we try a little practice? Um, maybe what I'll do, Melissa, is I'll just share, you know, maybe an unkind thought, maybe an unkind thought that a mother would have or a Nikki mother, and maybe you could respond with just a simple narrative shift of maybe an alternative thought that we could speak to ourselves with it having implemented self-compassion. Nice. Um, so let's do... Let's see if I can come up with one. I'll say one that I've said to myself. Um, 
Um, I don't mean to laugh at your, but I've done that too. (laughs) (laughs) Who who hasn't? Yeah, true. Okay. So here's one. You should have known better. Okay. So a shift from you should have known better would would be something like, it's okay that I didn't have all the answers. Hmm. It's okay that I didn't know everything. That's beautiful. What about, you know, my anxiety makes me a bad mom. Mm. Mm-hmm. My anxiety makes me a bad mom could be shifted into it's okay that I have anxiety. And sometimes when I have anxiety, I feel like I'm not a good mom and I will get through this. And I want to add to that part because I will tell women, I'm not going to take away your experience. If you experience anxiety, it's okay. I'm not here to take that away from you. If you experience depression, I don't want to take that away from you. I want to help you be with it. And so if we do experience anxiety, it's about normalizing that that's a human experience and that it's going to be okay. Mm. And so the shift is, it's okay that I have anxiety. And, And myself, Melissa, I have anxiety. You know, I've struggled with anxiety for most of my life and I've learned tools and resources. And so it's okay to be with that. And to know that that, is, that that is part of who you are. It's that language of either pushing it away because this makes me feel like something's wrong with me or bringing it back in and saying, it's okay, how do I work with this? Mm-hmm. So I want to add that part. Yeah. Well, that's good. I have another one. Um, how about I will always struggle or this will always be hard? Mm-hmm. I will always struggle or this will always be hard. Could sound like right now in this moment, the struggle feels never ending, but it will be okay over time. It will be okay. Beautiful. So Melissa, you've given us so many great nuggets of wisdom to really think about as we move through our healing process, you know, as Nikki moms. I think, um, you know, self-compassion could be a really great tool for a lot of women. It's very accessible and it's not time intensive. It's a great starting point. What are some resources, you know, websites, podcasts, whatever you, books um, that you might suggest to learn more about self-compassion? Yes, I think uh, Dr. Neff's website, selfcompassion.org, is a great resource she does give you tangible exercises that you can do. This kind of goes back to what uh, Ashley was saying about what's something I can do and just put it into my day. So these are just exercises that you can do throughout your day. She also offers um, some really beautiful self-compassion meditations. And of course, if you're a voice person, you can always search around and look up different voices that sound right and make you feel calm. Everybody's voice choice is different. So, but selfcompassion.org is a great resource and also some really good research behind self-compassion to understand why, why would we practice this? Why would it make sense? Well, to reiterate what Martha said, thank you so much for all of your wisdom and so grateful that your practice exists and that you specialize in this really beautiful niche of maternal mental health. And so thank you for putting in the time to get that certification and really implementing self-compassion because it truly is a revolutionary practice. So 
how can our listeners connect with you further? Do you offer telehealth or do you have a website? What is the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, there's a few different ways. I am on Facebook at Mindful Healing. And I also have a website, www.themindfulhealing.org. And I do offer telehealth only at this time. So I'm an LPCC, fully licensed provider in Minnesota. And at this time, I'm only offering telehealth. So my website is um, really good at breaking down all those questions and all those pieces. If someone is interested in practicing and taking a self-compassion course further, there's information on that as well. I do teach eight-week uh, self-compassion courses. I also speak um, all around Minnesota through Zoom right now on the topic of self-compassion with different agencies. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And such an important service right now, especially in the midst of a pandemic where everything just feels unknown and uncertain. And so to have resources like that available is really, really valuable. Absolutely. Yes. And I think that the hard part is that now everything is Zoom. You know, everything is so social media and so in your face. And so the nice thing is being able to, whatever it is that you access, see if it has a combination of doing some of that body work with the visual engaged work so that you can keep that, that body or somatic component is really important. Yeah. Well, mamas, thank you again for tuning in with us. And thank you again, Melissa, for sharing your wisdom and just more about who you are and also about this practice of self-compassion. So to any of the mamas listening today, we hope this is just a gentle reminder that that relationship with yourself is so important and to offer yourself that grace. It's a lifelong, lifelong healing, lifelong relationship. And so self-compassion can be a really beautiful way to heal and to grow. So Thank you again, Melissa. We will link all of her contact information and resources in the description, but we can't wait to connect with you mamas next time. Thank you so much. If you love this podcast and would like to hear more amazing stories, please consider becoming a member of the Dear NICU Mama Patreon page. In addition to special merchandise and early access to content, Patreon members support the mission, programs, and services of Dear NICU Mama. You can find the link on the description of this episode. As always, if you'd like to hear more from Dear NICU Mama, click subscribe. Welcome to the sisterhood.